Hello and welcome back to the Comic-Con Podcast, episode 23. Tonight we're going to do nothing but Jordan references. MJ, Chicago Bulls. <laughs> no, we're, we're really not. Uh, shout out to everybody. Thank you so much for supporting us. You can hear us on Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, and of course Spotify. I am one of your hosts for this evening, Justin, a.k.a. Nemesis Prime. I'm a man, Zach. What is going on? What's up, everybody? Manimal here in the house as well. Um, excited about this show. We got a lot of good topics. You know, it's it's great because we've had a lot of good topics recently. I feel like a couple, maybe in our teens of the episodes, there were a couple episodes that we were kind of lagging on like good info, you know, like good, we good topics. Yeah, we were struggling a little bit. <laughs> but uh, there's it feels like lately, and maybe it's just because it's summer, you know? I don't know. But mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of... The deluge of news has definitely opened up. Um, yeah. And maybe it has to do with like the coronavirus going away. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that's opening up. So a lot of, uh, you know, castings are getting called and, and shows popping back up and just so much news is out there for this week. So, of course, we're recording this on June 10th, 2021. Of course, you can always find us and follow us on our Instagram, the Comic-Con podcast. You can always send us emails, voice messages to the Comic-Con podcast at gmail.com. Of course, with the way we like to start off every episode is talk about the community. And uh, we do have a community question. Um, before that, hey, Zach, did you hear about some of the community drama going around? Oh, uh, some I love, I love drama. No, tell me. Oh, you didn't see all that? Oh, well, I, I mean, I we, I really want to get this guest on, but there was some there was some hate going back and forth because of some uh, auctioneers. And I know we've we've kind of talked about this in the past with mm-hmm. you know how auctions work. But there's one auction out there that you have to, like, do some small fee and you know, fill oh. out an application form. It's it's pretty funny, but I don't want to really talk. I don't want to get into it too much. But, uh, you know, I, I thought maybe you heard about it or or watched it on Instagram because it's very interesting. So it sounds familiar. I think I think some people were talking about it a little bit. Kind of had a busy week, so I haven't got able to uh, delve into it. But now, now I want to. It sounds juicy. So, like, are we talking like consignment sales or like what? Like, kind of like to actually jump on this person's auction, you actually have to fill out an application or pay like a cover charge. Like, basically, yeah, and then like a cover fee, and there's huh. this whole thing about it. So. Um, some really interesting stuff. I'd love to get the person who, you know, started off this big uh, divulge of uh, <laughs> the Instagram drama that I have watched for two days, which was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> maybe we'll have him on the show. And if anybody's out there listening and knows who it is, then you know what's going down in the uh, YouTube and IG community. So, but let's yeah. kind of move on to... Um, it's been a bit since we've had any good drama, so we should definitely I, yeah. do that. Yeah, we would definitely like. And um, Zach and I have been talking. We do have some upcoming guests that are going to be popping on the mm-hmm. show this month. Uh, we have a artist and writer for a publication book that I met when I was at Garden State Comic Fest last weekend in New Jersey. We do have some YouTube and IG people coming on here that I've reached out to. So you'll be seeing some guests coming in the next upcoming episodes. Um, I know it's vacation time, so everyone's kind of taking vacations, but we definitely are looking forward to some of the guests that we have lined up. So let's get right into our question for the evening. And this one comes on our Instagram. Uh, This is from our man, Comic Stash 416. He goes, got an idea for you guys. What are your top three favorite story arcs slash series of all time? For me, it would be it would have to be Dark Phoenix Saga. Of course, Claremont writing it is just epic. Inhumans by Paul Jenkins and Squadron Supreme by Mark 
Gruenwald. So, man, that's some uh, that's some pretty good picks. The um, the Inhumans yeah. is is a really interesting one from Paul Jenkins. That's the Marvel Knights one, right? Yeah, I think so. That is that the one with um, man, I always get this one confused, but I believe that's the one where it, it follows like a like a lesser known guy, and he, he interacts with the um, the Terrigen Mist for the first time. I believe. Maybe I hope I'm not screwing that up. Could be right. Uh, no, it's it's definitely in that um, it's definitely in that run. Uh, that was when like the Jay Lee did all those uh, the covers yeah. and the art. I mean, that was some some really good stuff. That was like early two thousands. Yeah, I, I remember. Think so. That's good. I remember I, they actually did some. Um, the covers are badass, and the mm-hmm. interior again because you know Jay Lee's doing the art inside, and he doesn't really do too much art anymore. You know, it was that style, that same thing he had like in Dark Tower, right. Um, but yeah, it was definitely very dark for because again, it was one of those Marvel Knight storylines, so it really didn't follow the path of the normal M Marvel comics that were going on in that early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was enjoyed the Marvel Knight stuff. It was you know it was almost like it was its own separate universe kind of, but it was still mm-hmm. you know sometimes it was canon. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was so, kind of confusing. Uh, to Comic Stash's question, what are your top three story arcs or story runs? So uh, I tried to break it up into Marvel, DC, and uh, like kind of independent. I didn't want to like just issue or like ramble off three X Men stories. So <laughs> everyone knows my my X Men is definitely going to be up there. And I think if I had to pick an X Men storyline, it's definitely Age of Apocalypse. I love Age of Apocalypse. It's probably the X Men storyline I reread most often. Um, it's just so great because it also allows you to like reread it without you know, being bogged down by the previous history of the X-Men. Cause it's just such a, like a self-contained story. So really love age of apocalypse. Now shout out to dark Phoenix saga by Chris Claremont. Cause of course that's epic as hell. So, um, DC, I went with blackest night and I really love blackest night for multiple reasons. Um, it's just an awesome story. Kind of gives you a little bit of everything, every title in the DC universe. And honestly, it's really the, the, the story arc that got me into DC. So I read uh-huh. Blackest Night. I was super into the different um, spectrums of like the lantern rings and all that. And that's really what got me reading. Got into like Flashpoint, all that leading up to New 52. So Blackest Night can really be, um, it was the door that opened up the DC universe for me. Huh. So so then independent, I this isn't necessarily an arc. Obviously, there's a ton of arcs in this title. Um, and we talked about this off screen, how it's hard to pick an independent because outside of like, you know, Spawn and uh, what was the other one you brought up? Walking Dead. Walking Dead. And this one as well. This one's creeping up there too, is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The, new, the newer Ooh. run, current, ongoing right now. I love everything about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean... Issue 117 just came out this past week, and I think it's an amazing read. I buy, I kind of have this tradition where I buy the trade paperback from my nephew, who's like five or six. So every time I see him, I give him a new trade for uh-huh. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's how much I love it, and it's just so great for kids as well. So cool. Those are my three picks. I love that question. What about you? So uh, same thing. I kind of went Marvel, uh, well DC, Marvel, and then I went back to DC because I really couldn't think of a DC um, independent one, but. <laughs> For my for my DC one, and this is one that I constantly read, even when I go on vacation, I, I if I'm going on like an airplane and I know it's like a long trip and I'm going to be away, mm-hmm. I typically bring myself a couple trades. And this is one trade that I always reread. 
And it's actually the first trade that my wife ever read in comic books, which is the Under the Red Hood storyline with Jason oh, cool. Todd. Yeah. So I remember the first time we went on vacation, we went to um, the DR and she actually was just sitting on the beach, reading it, asking me questions. And it was just great. I'm like, oh, she's just reading uh, Under the Red Hood. Of course, if anybody doesn't know, this is when Jason Todd comes back and he's more of a villain. And it's the pre new 52 Jason Todd where he's a badass. Uh, and he basically goes through Gotham trying to be like a crime boss and do what Batman won't do. They ended up did they did make a Batman animated movie off of it. It's which is great. Yeah, it's hands down probably the best DC animated movie, I would say. Um, for my second one, and <laughs> Zach's not gonna like this one. Uh -oh. Um, I picked for Marvel, I picked Edge's Spider-Verse. And I have to because it's, you know, Spider-Gwen's in there, but it's really just a culmination of all the different Spider-Men and women and just the different characters that they came up with and the different worlds. I felt like it actually had some type of like ending because you mm -hmm. had the inhibitor, you know, you had those, what are they called? The inhibitors or in, um, don't ask me. I didn't read it. Oh God. All right. So I, that's, I can't think of their names, but they they each had like the vampire abilities they they were basically trying to suck the souls of all the different spiders because they all had the spider totems and of course at the end i obviously i don't want to ruin it for anybody so but i feel like it actually it ended where it had like a long lasting um impact kind of yeah it had a, it had a long lasting impact because of the fact that of course then we got into the spider verse movie which right. opened up the branches of that that's something that was you know done in the mid 2010s and then five years later we got a movie because that was the first time that all these different spider men and women got together so the fact that it was so huge and dan slot writing it i think that was probably the pinnacle point of like his writing for spider-man hmm. um and then last but not least back into the dc and this is a little bit of an older one uh justice league of america the tower of babel have you ever read this one? No. All right. So this is another DC story arc that they ended up making a movie, if, uh, Justice League of Doom, if you remember that movie. Yeah. So same thing. It's Batman basically has a contingency plan against every Justice Leaguer, how to take them down. Like always. Um, of of course. And this and in the Justice League of Doom, the way that it it's it's completely different than the story arc that is in the comics. In the story, in the movie. He had there's different villains that take down uh, all the different the superheroes because of Vandal Savage in the in the story arc in the comics. It's Ra's al Ghul, and he actually takes uh, the graves of Martha and Thomas Wayne. Mm -hmm. And basically he says, I won't give these back unless you do X, Y and Z. So and in the comics, it's a little bit different because it's set in the 90s. So you actually have different characters like in. Um, the movie you had the Green Lanterns, you had Hal Jordan, but in that time frame, you actually had Kyle Rayner. Right. So it's a little bit different. And even some of the characters you had, like the Flash was in there as well. And I don't believe the Flash was in the movie, if I'm not mistaken. He could be, but um, it's a it's a story arc that I always go back to. It's only four issues. Uh, it went from Justice League, uh, JLA 42 through 46. 
Um, quick little read. You can easily pick it up. Uh, I think they're probably like cover price, if not a couple of dollars more. It's not a, it's not an expensive run, but it's one of my favorite reads because it basically sets Batman on just, he is a badass. Like he literally will take, be it. He has the ability to take down any justice leaguer um, <laughs> across, across the, any team. So cool. Um, those are my three books and Zach's three books. That's uh, really cool. Thank God for, uh, you know, that question because we really enjoyed that. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, what do we have next? <clears throat> so we've got some really good Marvel Disney Plus news. And this is kind of like what we said in the beginning. It's it's really cool to see the floodgates open up. And now we're actually getting castings for all these uh, Disney Plus shows and movies and whatnot for the MCU. The, and all these things we've known that were coming, but we've kind of been on, you know, really quiet about. So mm-hmm. recently got a casting for a She-Hulk villain. They cast Jamila Jamil as Titania from Marvel Comics. So if you know, Titania's first appearance is Marvel Superhero Secret Wars number three. So if you're looking for that book, go out there and try to snag it up. But um, this is really cool. I'm pretty excited about this casting. Uh, I watched The Good Place. That's how I know uh, Jamila Jamil from. I love The Good Place. If you need a little short four season uh, funny show to watch on Netflix, check it out. I don't think you'll be too disappointed. And uh, she's great in that. So yeah, I think we've talked we talked about this, like who the villain was going to be, right? On um, there was definitely rumors. So there yeah. was rumors that we, um, I'm sure we talked about this over the past twenty or you know six months that we've been doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Tivo from Lords of the Longbox dropping this literally a year ago today, almost. I think, um, and I was on that episode. episode. Yes, you were. Yeah. So you know, this is something that we talked about, and it's funny when I, I quickly rewatched the show that you you were on with. Tivo and Ryan and 9.8 in that time frame were only going for between 75 to a hundred dollars today. They're ending around four to $500 for 9.8. So if you would have bought in last year early enough, whether you bought a CGC or even, you know, near mint copies, you're definitely in the money hundred percent right now. So, yeah, uh, I don't know the actress all that well, but I, I feel like we knew she was coming. You know, it's something that they talked about. They've also talked about Abomination coming back, and that's another rumor. So we may, may not see him. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of honestly, in some way, it was a, a no brainer on who you were going to get. Like, whether it was going to be like Titania or um, Thundra, you know, it has mm-hmm. to be one of these characters that is a powerhouse, you know, to go up against She Hulk. I mean, I don't think, and we, I know we talked about this in terms of like who were her main villains, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's really all we could, we could come up with was like those two characters. She doesn't necessarily have like the rogues gallery of like the Hulk or other characters, you know? She typically just fights the Hulk's villains as well. So um, I think this will be cool. And I think we saw, um, I think the report shows that they're doing like a different take on the character. Uh, she's described as a Karda- Kardashian-esque social media influencer in her 30s with the dark side. So hmm. a little updated kind of version of the character. It should be pretty cool. I think that'll be, I think that'll be awesome, man. Nice, nice. So um, past the Marvel uh, TV series, we do have some Star Wars news. And this was something that Zach brought to my attention that I didn't know about. So what do we have on some Star Wars news, Zach? Yeah, this. I mean, this is, it's nothing crazy, but it's pretty cool, you know? So we know Andor's coming out here shortly. And um, we have, Forrest Whitaker is going to reprise his role as Saw Gerrera in the spinoff and prequel series. So 
it's funny, man. When you play the game, when you play the games, or you know, uh, what is it? Fallen Order, Fallen Order, and the different. And anytime you see, and even in like the cartoons now, they always look like Saw Gerrera. You know what I mean? Or I mean, like <laughs> Forrest Whitaker. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's just it's funny to me that uh, he's almost become like so iconic, but in reality, he hasn't had that many like appearances. I mean. Rogue One was probably the biggest chunk, and then we got some in like Clone Wars, you know. But well, he was in, so he was in Clone Wars as a younger right. uh, general with his sister. He was in Rebels. We've seen him in the Bad more, Batch. We've seen him in Bad Batch. We've seen him in again, like you said, Rogue One. He's been in Fallen Order, so he's actually a character in the Star Wars universe that's probably been in more stuff than people realize. True, if they haven't played like if you didn't play Fallen Jedi Fallen Order which everybody should because I talked about it um, a long time ago on one of my Star Wars specs for a certain character. Uh, go out and check that one out. Uh, I think Saul Guerrero is a great character. And yeah. that the fact that we're going to see him, and every time you do see him, he's always, he's aging, he's getting mm-hmm. worse because by the, the first time that we've really ever seen him in live action, it was, you know, obviously it's the, at, towards the end of his, his life. Uh, and you could see what a difference that the war has taken on him. Right. Which is I, something that we've never seen in like the Star Wars universe. Yeah. I mean, he's such an interesting character. And, you know, actually, like I'm thinking about it, he's almost, he's kind of has a lot of similarities with Anakin, where, you know, he starts off good and then he inevitably kind of becomes bad. Obviously, he doesn't go the same way as like the Darth Vader bad Sith wise, but he does kind of let the war get to him. And it changes him. He gets a little darker and he's just like this. He has no pity or mercy anymore. And he kind of has like lost his way. So it's, he's a great character, but he's also kind of a sad character to see. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And one of the other rumors I heard too, was that we might see an Obi-Wan Kenobi appearance in uh, Andor. Now I don't know how true that is or whatnot, but I think that would be really cool since I think um, Andor comes out before the Obi-Wan show yeah they've been they've been filming Endor since prior to uh between d23 and the disney uh investor day last year because i remember gotcha. they showed off the trailer um brief like teaser type of trailer nothing anything intense but it had uh of course uh, cassie and Endor kind of talking and some other stuff that was going on in the background but uh i'm excited for that show will obi-wan show up um before the show started i said no because i feel like He's always going to be on Tatooine that mm-hmm. we're going to see. But what you're saying is, hey, maybe, you know, the Endor show, they'll go to Tatooine and, and look for him and kind of ask him, you know, what are what should they do? Yeah. So, or just interact with him, run into him. You know, you got Ben yeah. Solo out there running amok. So, yeah, it's a it's a possibility. So and then what are the other the other sad Star Wars news that we have for today? So, yeah, so bummer, you know, Andor coming in probably early 2022, which we kind of expected. But some bummer news is Mandalorian is pushed back once again, season three. And it's looking like that's probably going to be late 2022. So to tide us up, you know, we do have Book of Boba Fett coming out this December. So that'll kind of hold us over. And a lot of things are kind of calling that uh, Mandalorian season 2.5. So (laughs) we still got that. Um you know, it kind of sucks because we've been used to been used to, I guess, two years of Mandalorian back to back. And now we're going to have a pretty big gap between the next season. But we got a lot of other stuff. We got Andor, we got Obi-Wan, and then we'll get some Mandalorian. So, mm-hmm. all right, uh, let's go with some other stuff. This is a 
a little bit of an interesting stuff for anyone here on the East Coast. And of course, really, maybe even if you're, a, of course, Marvel Comics fan. But today, uh, this is actually over on News 12 in the Bronx. So in uh, Bronx Street, where Stan Lee was raised, has been co-named in his honor. So over on uh, in the Bronx. So Lee was, of course, raised in the Bronx and lived at an apartment on 1720 University Ave. Uh, he also attended Dwight Clinton High School. So, of course, who is Stanley? We all know who Stanley is. But uh, in between Bryant Place and West 176th Street, there is a sign that says Stanley Way. So, uh, Councilman Fernando Cabrera uh, spearheaded the project last year and it finally got put through. So, there's, there was a big ceremony today, which is really awesome. So, if anyone's in the New York area, uh, you want to get over to Bryant Place and West 176th Street. Uh, you'll see the sign that says Stanley Way. Uh, and he even, he even quotes saying, when you walk into Clinton School, we have the portraits of him. It's an inspiration like you never know what could have come out of the Bronx, says the uh, classroom uh, councilman. So that's really cool. I, I'm seeing the picture yeah. here. Um, that, that's just quite an honor. Uh, About for, time. Kind of late. Yeah. <laughs> kind of late. You know what I mean? <laughs> Would have been cool to do it while the dude was still alive, you know, and had like an un, like an unveiling ceremony while he was there. But mm -hmm. that's well, awesome. Of course, he you know he passed away in 2019, and I'm sure you know with COVID, uh, oh god, some of yeah. those stuff. But I'm sure, yeah, you're right. It, it should have been done a long time ago for for that man. But mm -hmm. at least it, it's there for anybody who wants to go to New York and you know take a picture on the street. So for sure, really really cool stuff. So let's kind of move on to some uh, some TV stuff. We're definitely going to be talking about Loki episode one, like we always do when we talk about our Marvel uh, Disney Plus shows. But before we get into Loki episode one, let's talk about a trailer that just dropped today, which is going to be on Netflix uh, part one, July twenty third. He Man Revelations. Hell yeah, Zach, dude! Zach, let's talk about this, man. Um, we're both in the same age bracket. I'm yeah. sure we watched He Man in the '80s. Oh yeah. Uh, we watched the god awful Duff Laundry. Take movie. it back. Take it back. I love Masters of the Universe. Oh, it's I do so too. Good. It's a it's a bad movie, but it's a great movie at the same time. Oh, it's so good. Frank Langella as Skeletor. I don't care. Hands down, like one of the top Dude. three villains of all time. Court, Courtney Cox making a debut in that movie as well. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a great movie. Dolph Lundgren alone is just such a, a probably one of the greatest actors of all time. Uh, not true, but I mean, we got Rocky three dude was the Punisher and like the mm -hmm. original Punisher movie, which was horrendous, but cult classic. Great. And then, yeah, Masters of the Universe. He man. But yeah, so I, I guess we could talk about Masters of the Universe, but let's talk about this. Trailer. So <laughs> yeah, let's do that. We have the first of all, the animation looks great. It right. looks very, if anybody's yeah. watching any of the uh, Netflix original stuff that's going on. Uh, like Castlevania, which I just finished up season four. It is awesome. The action looks hands down great. The characters, it literally brings me back to like the 80s and even that early 2000 Cartoon Network uh, He-Man that they did. So, you know, Skeletor is in there. You have uh, Evelyn, Merman, Beastman on the villain side. Man at Arms. You got the, the cyborg guy. Uh, Fis uh, what's his name? Fisto. He's the uh, the black guy, right? Who's the wizard? Uh, uh, Orko. You Orko, see briefly. Yeah. yeah. So Orko's in that. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple other characters that, you you know, Tila's in there. But I, I thought it was great. Um, yeah. The, the cheesy 80s music. 
Oh, dude, it. I have it stuck in my head since I've watched it earlier today. The hero at the end of the night. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Great. It was perfect. Oh, it was it was so good. So of course the oh, I, I when you heard Skeletor's voice oh. and you and it was um of course uh, Mark Mark Hamill was just awesome. Like mm. immediately, I'm just like, yep, I'm I'm sold. I am sold on <laughs> him. You know, immediately with that. Um, there's tons of other characters or actors and actresses who are going to be in this show. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that I I could you know. Of course, if you've seen them, you know who they are. Yeah. Um, well, you, you got know, um, Sarah go Michelle Geller is playing Tila. Okay, so that's, a, that's a pretty one. And Lena Headey is Eva Lynn, who's great. Like, I mean, you just look at her and you're like, okay, yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of one of some of the bigger. Oh, you know, so something. One thing we didn't really talk about is this is done by uh, created by Kevin Smith. So, yep. Kevin Smith's in it. So you know who else is in it? Jay is in it from Jay and Silent Bob. He plays Stinkor or is the voice of Stinkor. <laughs> oh my God, really? Yeah, oh, I didn't see that. Um. Oh yeah. All right. So there it is on that. So, and then you have Kevin Conroy's merman, yeah, which is cool. Uh, you have Liam, um, Cunningham who is man at arms and he was in game of Thrones. Yeah. Davos. Yeah. Um, Susan Eisenberg, of course, from, uh, she, she's voiced wonder woman in many iterations all the way going back from to like the justice league cartoon and a lot of stuff, uh, injustice. That's really cool. Uh, Chris Wood is actually He-Man. Um, and if anybody doesn't know who Chris Wood is, he was in the Supergirl TV show as... Yeah, Monel. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So we definitely but, I mean, have obviously, a lot of big... Obviously, Mark Hamill's the big draw. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, let's see some other people real quick. You got Henry Rollins as Triclops. That's pretty good, too. Um, Alicia Silverstone as Queen Marlena. Yeah, huh. they're definitely and even um Harley Quinn Smith, uh, Harley Quinn Smith, uh, his daughter is playing Alina, who I don't know who that is, but uh, I guess we're gonna have to find out. But yeah, you definitely got a star-studded cast of uh, mm-hmm. actor and actresses. So, um, what did you think about the trailer, man? I thought it looked great. Um, like you said, the animation was really awesome. I'm excited to see this. It's about time. It's been a while since we've had any kind of like He-Man, Masters of the Universe type stuff going on. Um. Uh, it reminded me, obviously, it's newer and better than the uh, Thundercats old show, the the most recent iteration of Thundercats, which I thought was amazing also, and it mm-hmm. kind of got canceled as well. So, you know, like you said, we, we both grew up around the same era watching these cartoons, and it's cool to see this stuff show up. I'm cool with this rather than, like, I don't need live live action. You know what I mean? Because the live action is never going to live up to it, I don't feel like. I don't know. In time. In time, maybe. maybe. Not only that, but you you look at some of the things that they've done in, you know, Lord of the Rings and, uh, you know, even horror movies that you could create characters like Beastman and Merman and and they could look badass. Yeah. Would they be able to do as much uh, and even Star Wars? I mean, they have all these, you know, puppets and they all these characters that are in suits and makeup. I mean, why can't they do it? You know, they've done yeah. Hellboy and Hellboy was all you know a prosthesis and makeup and so i I don't know i I think in time we'll love to get a live action he-man and i'm excited as all hell for that but uh yeah i think the he-man revelations on netflix is going to be my first like official binge watch 
Um, so they're doing again, part one and then part two will come out. So part one is six episodes. They haven't announced part two yet, but at least we'll be able to get, uh, this for the first time. And God knows, I think it's like 40, 40 years almost was when the first, uh, masters in the universe came out. It's been so long, but, uh, and you know what I like, see, you know what I liked about the last, uh, He-Man series that came out in the early two thousands was they really used magic. And it was more action like Skeletor was more of a sorcerer. And I, you see that a little bit in this trailer, mm-hmm. like you see him create, you know, uh, this, you see him create this hole and then like punch through it. And then there's this yeah. giant fist that He-Man goes and punches back. He throws like magical bursts at He-Man as well. So I like that compared to, of course, you know, back in the day where it was just very, uh, I don't even know, like from the eighties, I don't even want you to call that, but <laughs> still, it was still fun to watch when you were a kid. So for sure. Um, so let's move on to Loki, man. Uh, episode one just dropped on June 9th. Uh, first episode, of course, we always like to, you know, kind of give us a you know first episode midpoint and season ending of Loki. Uh, what do you think of episode one? I thought it was great. I, I laughed a lot. Um, I was a little, I don't want to say nervous or hesitant, but you know, obviously Loki is one of those characters that is so great. And obviously Tom Hiddleston's version of Loki in the MCU has been like one of the best uh, castings, you know? Um, And I think it's good. I think we talked about this on previous episodes that I think it's good. He's on his own. I don't necessarily want to see him back in like the Thor movies because I feel like it's just so redundant at this point, Thor versus Loki betrayal, blah, 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 you know? So it was really cool seeing him and it was just funny seeing him. Like I was telling my wife when we were watching the episode, the scenes where he's like, you know, waiting in line, he has to pull the number and he has to do like such mundane and regular human being type stuff. Like uh-huh. that shit is hilarious to me because you don't ever picture like a superhero in that situation. And I personally will be in those situations where I'm walking through those those roped off aisles and I'm furious about it because there's no one else in line and I'm running this goddamn maze. You know, it's so, it's a bullshit. So it was hilarious to see Loki have to do that, dude. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it. I thought it was great, man. I thought it was great. Yeah. I actually have for the, this is the third series now for um, Disney plus with the Marvel studio stuff, hands down the best first episode, of course, uh, beating out WandaVision far and far and few between and even Falcon Winter Soldier. Um, I like it because, like you said, it's it's away from Thor, but even the fact that we really don't know the time because, of right. course, it happens in 2015. You know, you see what happened in Avengers Endgame, uh, and there's just so much things that you can think about, but the fact that you don't need to think about it at the same time, like just you just watch the show. There's nothing to spec on in this show because mm-hmm. it's just him in different times and uh one of my favorite parts was the fact when he was on the airplane telling the story of how he was yeah uh, db cooper right (laughs) that's cool and he's just like oh he's like yeah i lost a bet to thor and that's kind of how i became so yeah when he saw and even owen wilson is is great and uh, you Mm -hmm. know of course owen wilson's a funny uh actor but the fact that he was in this um, he really plays the role very well as the time variants and you get that history of what was going on and the infinity stones are in there as well. And, you know, everyone jokes about, well, then why didn't it work? Yeah. Um, of course it's not their universe. That's the same reason why, you know, Thanos could only win in the six one six. So 
I I'm hundred percent in with this series. I cannot wait for next week's. Uh, we kind of get an idea of who the villain is, which is great because that's simple. We know exactly yeah. who it is. Nothing to spec on. Yeah, it was. I really, you know, to kind of like double down on the mundane aspect that I loved. It's it's so great to see Owen Wilson. So it against uh, Loki. You know, what I mean, the character Mobius against Loki because. If you go back to the original phase one of the Avengers, of the MCU, I mean, mm-hmm. there really is no more ridiculous kind of character in than the Thor universe, you know, with like the Asgardians and they're like these gods and they're from another world. So it's really funny to see the play of like a, a bureaucrat, like pencil pusher up against like this, <laughs> this like God from a mystical world. You know what I mean? Like they just, it's black and white. It's, it's totally, I, I loved it. I love the, how they play off each other. Um, and I thought it was actually on, on, honestly, like it was, it was touching that moment when, when like Loki's watching his life, when he's watching himself yeah. on the screen and seeing how he ends up, you know? So I thought that was like really cool. Um, and, you know, it kind of wraps up the one, maybe not the only one, but the big question mark of end game, which was Okay. <laughs> what the hell's going to happen in the universe if Loki just dipped out? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, dude, I'm excited for this. It was, it was really cool. Really, really cool. And it's great that we get it on a Wednesday because uh, we of course know that the bad batch is Fridays. So, mm-hmm. you know, it gives you something in the middle of the week where there's nothing really on TV. You know, I'm, I'm of course always watching all the CW stuff and that's really in the beginning of the week, like Sunday, Sunday and Tuesday. So the fact that like on a Wednesday night or, you know, Wednesday morning, whatever, I can actually get something new to watch because there's really yeah. nothing else on TV, which is good. So um, definitely, yeah, first episode, absolutely loved it. We'll talk about it in a couple episodes. I think it's only what? It's only six episodes? Six right? episodes, yeah. Yeah, so we'll be back after episode three. We'll talk about more about Loki. And then, of course, we'll give our final review after that. So that's all of our TV and movie news for the evening. Let's kind of get over to some comic book stuff. So... This is a big one from, uh, you know, Image Comics. So Spawn Universe set sales, set some huge milestone sales for them. So, of course, Todd McFarlane is bringing out a brand new number one called Spawn Universe. This is over at The Hollywood Reporter. This was just posted uh, on June 8th. So ahead of its June 23rd release, the pre-orders for Spawn Universe number one has hit 211,000, which is making it Image Comics the most number one highest selling comic in two in the 21st century, which is pretty awesome because I'm looking at some of these other uh, lists of these titles. Like you had crossover that just came out last year, which I thought had a huge print run, that right. had 150,000. You had Noctara that just came out earlier this year, had 140,000. And then even another one that's on this list, which was huge, was Jupiter's Legacy back in 2013, 125,000. So the fact that everyone is pre-ordering this book with, I know that you said you pre-ordered a couple of the, this one, right? Because there's a couple yeah. covers. Yeah, I got some packages. I, not pre-ordered. Well, I guess, I mean, pre-ordered off eBay. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it came with like the six covers. So, I mean, it, it's surprising and it's not surprising, I guess. I mean, let's be honest. Spawn has really been the flagship title of Image. You know, for the longest time, uh-huh. it was really the only thing probably keeping Image afloat for a while. So, um, and it's also kind of a little, I'm surprised it took this long to like branch out. I know they did like mini series, you know, the, um, what are the two 
cops names um oh sam and twitch sam and twitch they've done like little mini series and spinoffs and stuff like that but um you know to actually build out into a shared universe you know i mean we, we know that in august we've got king spawn number one in october we got gunslinger spawn and then even in december there's a team-up book called the scorched that's coming out so they're really like double tripling down on the spawn universe and it does kind of seem like wow like i'm not really sure why you waited this long but we'll see how it goes I mean, yeah, neither, really you, neither you nor I are like massive Spawn fans, right? No. In the early 90s, of course, like I read Spawn probably like 1 to 50 or 75. And right. I was definitely getting all the little, those little three to five issue miniseries like Curse of Spawn, Curse of the Hell Spawn and Medieval Spawn. But they've never in this where, yeah, there's like a shared universe that they're going to have multiple characters in their own titles, mm-hmm. which still all relates back to Spawn. Yeah, I think I probably ended around issue fifty. I think that's probably the last issue I read. So yeah, I feel like that was the that was the big uh, jumping off point for a lot of people. Because <laughs> you never to. see issues like a hundred to two hundred. Very rarely do you see them in comic shops, and that hundred fifty era is like expensive, like decently priced books and tough to find. Yeah, I might have to get back into it. I might have to read it to get up and ready for spawns universe i mean it's it's something cool you know like I, i'm down now like there's a little bit more to it more than just like one title it could be interesting and you know not to be an asshole but if there's better writers than mcfarlane I, i'm definitely interested you know what i mean cool characters with better writers sign me up yeah there's definitely a lot of good people that are going to be on these books i think so uh, you know we may see you know some some branch out and image comics may hit like top 10 lists yeah know, moving forward in uh August into the rest of the uh, the year of 2021. So uh, let's move on to some other comic book news. Uh, let's go with another high note before we end on a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> foreshadowing there. Um, so last week they dropped some solicitations for DC Comics coming out in August. Of course, the solicitations you pretty much can find on a lot of websites. I always use gamesradar.com for my solicitations. So they typically show you books that are going to be coming out at least two months uh, down the line. So you'll have the full run of all the different comics that are, you know, let's say for DC Comics, Marvel, Image, whatever it is. They show you the covers. They give you the on sale dates. They tell you, you know, who's on cover A, cover B, the solicitations, writers, artists, the whole nine yards. This is something I kind of wanted to, you know, bring to the forefront. I think it's really interesting and you have quite a long time before this comes out to pre-order it so there's two titles coming out in august that i feel like a lot of people should check out if you've seen these movies so the first title is batman 89 number one so the solicitation as follows step back into the gotham of tim burton's semi-classic batman movies batman 89 brings in screenwriter sam ham and artist Joe Quinez and to pull a number of threads left dangling by the prolific director. Gotham becomes torn in two as citizens dressed as Batman and Joker duke it out in the streets as DA Harvey Dent tries to keep the city together. He targets the one problem tearing it apart, Batman, and he'll get Bruce Wayne's help in taking down the Dark Knight. So, of course, being Tim Burton, we have uh, a Harvey Dent who is played by none other than Lando Calrissian. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. So uh, the first cover, if you check out the cover, it's actually um, got Batman and it's got Two-Face on it. So that means we're going to be, we will see Two-Face, but we won't see the Tommy Lee Jones 
you know, we're, we're going to be seeing the Lando version of, which is really awesome. Uh, there's, of course, the cover A. There's a variant cover by Jerry Ordway. And then there's a 1 in 25 ratio uh, variant as well. Um, I'm not sure how many issues this is going, but this is one title that I'm definitely going to be picking up because I was a huge fan of Batman and Batman Returns. Uh, what do you think about this, Zach? It's cool. Uh, it, I, I doubt I'll pick it up. It's not really up my alley. Um, mm-hmm. It is fun to kind of see these like universes that you know kind of aren't around anymore, and you wonder like, well, where would it have gone? Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the kind of universes like that that I, I picked up for a little while was uh, Smallville. They did like the season yep. whatever sixteen or I don't even remember whatever the next season would have been. I thought that was kind of cool. I liked that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's cool, especially for you know big fans um definitely dude so yeah definitely a really good idea and right behind that also coming out in august is superman 78 number one so the solicitation says fly into director richard donard's superman once more in superman 78 so superman 78 tells a brand new story adventure in the world of the beloved filmed a bright shining day in metropolis is interrupted by a mysterious drone that crash lands in the city and starts wreaking havoc this looks like a job for superman but where did the metallic menace come from? What is its purpose? And who is Brainiac? So this is something that's going to be super interesting because, you know, we have uh, the actor and actresses that were in the original Superman movie um, mm-hmm. basically are drawn like those characters. And the fact that you're going to get Brainiac to come into this, which is really awesome because you're going to see kind of like a Christopher Reeves Superman fighting Brainiac in the late 70s. <laughs> that's cool. So, and then again, this one's coming out in, uh, like I said, the end of August. It has a cover A, cover B, and also a 1 in 25 design ratio variant. So, uh, if anybody's out there, you can, you do still have quite a long time. You have a good two and a half months to get both of these on your pre-order list. Um, If you're a Batman or a Superman fan and you enjoyed those films, highly recommend checking these out and picking them up uh, if you wanted a continuation story of what happened in the comic book world. So I, they did these as well. They, you know, of course there was the Batman 66 show and they did mm-hmm. a Batman 66 comic, which I picked up for a while. Um, but again, I, I, that wasn't my Batman, but for me, the Tim Burton, that was my Batman growing up originally, you know, that was the first Batman that I remember seeing in, in theaters and on the big screen. So I'm excited for this. And the same thing with the Superman 78, I'm not a huge Superman fan, but I definitely will be picking up um, Superman. Yeah. Uh, would we are you going to try the Superman or Batman? What What do you think? No, I I won't. I yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I grew up with the same, the same time with the same Batman. But my Batman, honestly, I, I wasn't really into the. First off, I'm not a Tim Burton fan. Um, I I really can't stand Tim Burton. So, <laughs> I'm a I'm a Christopher Nolan. My Batman, I think at this point forward, will always be uh, Christian Bale. That'll be my Batman. But okay, it's cool. I, I like I said, I think it's fun for people to kind of reminisce there's a sense of nostalgia there i think it's awesome they're they're drawing the characters like the actors you know getting um uh oh man mind blank now but who plays uh lex luther um oh gene 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 hackman gene hackman Hackman. yeah i mean i mean that's cool you know it is definitely cool i I won't be picking them up but i i think they're it's a good idea it's a cool it's cool little Mm -hmm. mini series maxi or whatever they end up doing with it yeah it's going to be it's we're actually going to see what it, what's going to happen at the end of August. So I definitely um, don't think it's a bad idea, if you know what I mean. Oh, bad idea. What about this bad idea? You want to start this uh, segment? To. So 
I don't even know where to start with this, to be honest. And I'm not super knowledgeable on this because I, from the beginning, I always thought this was a bad idea. I just, I thought this, this publishing company was obnoxious and I had no interest in reading mm-hmm. the two or three titles they had coming out just based on their, it seemed like it was designed to push collectibles, you know what I mean? Or to make them collectibles and sought after. And I don't appreciate that. Like, it's not, that's not why I'm into comics. Like I like the stories and stuff. So anyway, after so, that little <laughs> diarrhea right there, uh, little rant. Yeah, that's all right. Um, I'm in the same boat. I, I don't know, you know, too much about this, but this was posted three days ago on their Instagram. I'm sure they shot out emails and it's all over the internet somewhere. So bad idea posted. We regret to inform you that despite our best efforts and all of your wonderful support, bad idea, as we know, must end our serious. Thanks for the incredible journey. We will be announcing and releasing books throughout the rest of the year. Beyond that, bad idea is over. Um, not really understanding this why, but then they continued to, you know, post some other stuff that was on their Instagram, and they still think people are, you know, it's over, and then you can pre-order what's known as the Final Five, which mm-hmm. is like a blind box type of thing. But what's really interesting, and you know, this I got from uh, my man. I got issues over on instagram as and he found this uh three weeks ago dinesh dinesh is the you know kind of the head of bad idea former valiant entertainment yes yeah so he actually gave an interview over on the absolute comics podcast and was asked if bad idea would ever rename their publisher and he stated yes we have a plan to you know we have a plan that we're going to be announcing soon that we're going to go we're going to go away and we've got this super hot company one of the hottest right now What's the worst? What's the worst thing we could do? We could just say we're so hot, we're gonna go away soon. We're going to be announcing we're gonna be going away soon, and then come back with a completely brand new idea. But because why? Why would we? We are determined to. <laughs> so stupid. This, make uh, this is in quotes. This is literally yeah. no joke. Because why would you? We're determined to fail. A lot of it was obvious, tongue in cheek, but it does seem to fit exactly what has happened. Um. So, of course, he was on a podcast, but that's what he said. So anybody who's believing that it's over is, I I, I don't know. But then again, now, again, on their Instagram, you can pre-order what's known as the final five. Um, And what the final five is, is it's the next and final wave of Bad Idea Books. It's a lineup that we they've called the final five, which consists of five mind-melting, long-box busting titles. That's so terrible. (laughs) um, Of pure comic book brilliance by what is without a doubt the greatest collection of writers and artists ever convened. I feel like that's like a Marvel thing that they would say. Dude. Um, an ensemble of comics so guaranteed to excite and dazzle that we're to offer them in a very special blind pre-order. No details about the final five stories, titles, or creators will be revealed until Thursday, June 17th, which is sometime next week. However, one day prior to the unveiling, we will be loading... Sorry, we'll be holding Bad Idea's final five pre-ordered events, a chance to pre-order all five of the Bad Idea books and guarantee nothing but those ones. Um, I, I don't know. This is just so stupid. And I'm so glad we're talking about this because you and I are both also on Lords of the Longbox. Right. We see these books come up every couple of weeks on the top 10 list because people just cannot get them in their stores because it's very limited i think here in new jersey out of all the shops and there are quite a bit of shops in new jersey i think there's only like four in new jersey that actually can carry it so 
the fact that those people then go out and buy it online because it's you have to pre-order the entire series. Yeah. So the first one was ENIAC and then Tankers, but you have to pre-order all four or five issues of that series to guarantee yourself a copy. And now it's like you just you it seems I, like a scam to me. It seems like they knew they were gonna do this. It seems like they knew, and that's why like, hey, buy them up front because we're not gonna finish this shit. So it was like I don't know. It almost seems like they did this to like bide time for a fur further up. Like maybe this was like, Hey, let's use this as like a startup fund for our next project <laughs> or something. And we'll make them buy them up front. We have no plans to redo them. Honestly, you want to know what a good idea would be is no one orders the final five. Like, fuck these guys, dude. Like garbage, bro. Don't order any of that. No one order the final five. That's, that's my suggestion. And don't go on eBay and pay like don't pay crazy a, prices a dime like. for this. It's not going anywhere. You're not going to see it on any big screen, small screen, nothing. There's no value to these comics. Mm -hmm. So, I, I agree. Garbage. I, people just think they are because they're limited. They're hard, hard to get. To which it, yeah. I get it. Like that's we're all we all fight after that. We all fight off that hot, that hot book, that hard to find book. Because yes, it hits a top ten. But is it really worth it? Like these books could go to the wayside. Like a lot of publishers that right. Zach and I can rattle off from the early 2000s, the late 90s that are gone and nobody cares. Yep. Nobody cares. So uh, I'm happy that they're going deuces. Dodo. Yeah. So bye bye. I hope so. Uh, so that's it. That's uh, that's the TV movie comics talk for the evening. And our final talk, of course, what are we currently reading? Um, Zach, you want to go first? Sure. Yeah, I got right. two titles. Um, cool. So, and I'm not fully caught up on one of them. I think I think I still need a couple more issues. But I started to read, um, and I'm a little behind here, so don't get mad at me, anyone who's listening, and make fun. fun of me or anything. But I'm reading. We only find them when they're dead by Al Ewing. Um, oh, I told you about that. Yeah. So I, actually, I picked these up when I was out visiting you. Uh, I mm -hmm. picked up one through picked up one through five. And uh, obviously Al Ewing's writing Immortal Hulk, which is amazing right now. And uh, I'm really enjoying the series. I thought, I think it's a really cool story. Um, it's got a little universe where we're still kind of, it's still building right now. Like uh -huh. I said, I'm only up to issue five and maybe there's like another issue or two issues that I'm missing. But um, I don't really know what's going on other than there's the, these dead gods, more or yep. less, I guess, these big god creatures floating around in space and the humans are tearing them up for food and like dissecting their bodies for food or metal or different supplies. And there's rules on like what you can do and how you can do it. And kind of like staying in line. It's, it seems like it's kind of almost like a police state in a way, in a way. And there's obviously some history between some of the characters and um, the title is we only find them when they're dead means like they only find these gods when they're dead. So the, the main guys kind of like looking for a live God. But it's really interesting. I thought it was cool. Um, but the and second, actually, one, oh, sorry, real quick, and then uh, that actually, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because that series actually just got nominated for an Eisner Award for best new series for oh, um, awesome. Al Ewing and uh, Simon Demone, uh, DeMeo. And I actually like the art because, of course, I've talked about this a while back when they did the Future State stuff. He did the one with he did the Harley Quinn. Oh, with, okay. like Harley Quinn and Scarecrow. So that art style is right out of there. So I thoroughly enjoy this series, not only for Al, Al Ewing's writing, but for uh, Mr. DeMaio's uh, art. And uh, what do you got for your second book? 
So this is the one I really have enjoyed a lot. So I've been reading uh, Noctera and issues one through four. I think I picked up the first three issues also when I was out there with you and then mm -hmm. got issue four, just came out like what, a week or so ago, maybe. Um, man, I think it's cool. So obviously it's written by Scott Snyder. Um, hard to find something bad that Scott Snyder has written. So it's, you know, I don't think you're gonna be disappointed, but it's really, really cool. And so like the idea there, if you're not reading it is obviously in this world, it's somewhat post-apocalyptic where um, through science or some accident, they have kind of like crossed over into another realm, the realm of knock and darkness has infested all of the world. And so it's perpetually dark out and the darkness is also kind of like, um, I don't know, think of it as like a zombie virus that if you're in it too long, you change into this monster type type character. So all the animals are changing and humans are changing, but humans are definitely more, uh, more dangerous. And it follows, uh, this girl and her adopted brother who are kind of operating in this world. Now, I don't want to give anything away, but it's, it's awesome. Like you guys really, really need to pick this up. I I've enjoyed it. There's four issues now. I think the fifth issue comes out here in like a week or so, maybe, um, Maybe next month. I'm not entirely sure. Like I said, I've kind of been picking these up as back issues rather than weekly. But um, it's really, really good. And I think that I don't know who the artist is, but the art's really good too. Um, I'm liking it, man. I'm really enjoying it. The first three issues, I was like, damn, this is cool. All right. So, maybe I'll have to uh, add that one to my list of yeah, check of it books out. to read. Because, yeah, I, I don't know. I've never, I've never not liked anything that Snyder's done. <laughs> exactly. Um, right. Of course, he did Witches, which just got, you know, he was just talking about putting that together in a, for his script. Uh, of course, all the detective stuff, the Batman stuff, uh, you know, anything that he wrote, you know, and of course helped with James Tinian, who, you know, was kind of like a student of his. Mm -hmm. So uh, surprisingly, I don't know why I didn't pick this up because I, I'm a Snyder fan and I like Tony Daniels in, as an artist. I don't know oh, yeah, why Tony I didn't Daniels, pick this up. Yeah. So uh, it definitely is getting added to the list of books I do need to read. And I know they're out there. Uh, so I definitely will go pick those up um, on your recommendation. So good two books. Uh, my pick of the week, uh, I have a new book and actually an old series. And I'll go with the new book first, and then I'll kind of divulge into why I picked an older reread that I actually had in trade format. So uh, currently reading, of course, from Boom Studios is uh, Eve. Issue two just dropped this week. Uh, we are exploring the world with um, Eve herself and her teddy bear, Wessler. Um, if you've read it, you'll know that I think Wessler is a badass in <laughs> issue two. Uh, we get a little bit more expansion of the world and what has caused this post-apocalyptic, uh, scenario, which I think is very interesting. I think it's probably one of the most engaging of a, of a post-apocalyptic thing. It's different than the usual, you know? Yeah, it's definitely very cool. Uh, and I will say that I think if this does become a series, Issue three is definitely going to be fluttered with first appearances because it does look like it's set up with uh, a lot of characters that are going to be coming in issue three. But I'm I'm enjoying Eve. I, I like her yeah. as a character. She's you can absolutely see her in some type of you know animation series or live action, even movie. Um, she's a great character to just follow, and because she, she's new to the world, so it's almost like watching a baby just explore the world. Uh, did you read Eve too? Yeah, I, I I loved Eve. I think it's great. You know, and you're right. She, you know, who she reminds me of. She reminds me of a non-annoying uh, Moon Girl from Devil Dinos Devil Dinosaur Moon Girl. Like she's not like a know-it-all. She's not like 
Mm-hmm. Like we said, like I've said many times in Marvel, I feel like all these new younger characters all have the same personality where they're like witty and quippy and it's just, it's annoying. But Eve is great. And the interaction between her and Wexler, is it Wexler? Is that what it is? Yeah, Wexler. Yeah, Wexler. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's so good. I mean, it's I almost really, feel like it's really watching, good. even it's like if you're watching The Bad Batch, it's like Omega because she was yeah. never outside of Camino. So you get to see, it's kind of like watching her like her exploring these worlds and like everything that's new to her is, is new mm-hmm. to Eve. So, right. I definitely recommend this series uh, yeah. without a doubt. Uh, you you're missing out if you're not reading it. Yeah. And you can easily go back and pick up issue one. I, I know a second printing did come out this week, but I'm sure stores still have issue one first printings. If you're that type of person that needs the first print, if not, at least you definitely can get issues one and two. Uh, so that's my current read. But what I was Looking, actually, I read over the weekend because Zach was talking about this a while back um, with Iron Fist and kind of how we how the Iron Fist had the different uh, the different clans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I re- I went back and read Jeff Lemire's Green Arrow run from New Fifty Two. Oh, okay. The um, the hunters or so, uh, well, longbow so hunters, right? Y- no, the Outsider War. So, oh, okay. To set to set this up. Uh, Jeff Lemire and Andrew Sorrentino did a run on the new 52 Green Arrow. It went from issue 17 up until about 34 or 35. Uh, Sorrentino's art is just badass. Let me just tell you that. It's it's something that's completely different. The way Jeff Lemire wrote this series is it was very it grounded Oliver. And it made if you were watching the Arrow show, that's kind of where they pulled a lot of stuff from. Like, mm-hmm. Green Arrow in the comics was more like you were watching him also on the TV. So throughout this, the three story arcs, there's three story arcs in this run that he did. And I really wish he would have continued because it was awesome. Um, You have him fighting a character named Komodo, which is another type of mysterious archer who shows up. And it's kind of like a back and forth battle with him. The next story arc involves, of course, Count Vertigo. And Count Vertigo has always been a longtime villain of uh, Green Arrow, as well as you know Justice League, we've seen him in multiple iterations on animations with the, the Young Justice. We've seen him in the Arrow TV show, as well as the animated um, movie. And then the last but not least, the final story arc, which is really awesome. It's called the Outsiders War. Um, not to really divulge into so much and you know spoilerish, but so what they have in the Outsider War is there's different clans. So you have like the Sword Clan. Um, the uh, fist clan, the shield clan, and of course the arrow clan. So, and kind of green arrow himself is going through these different clans, trying to find out what is going on behind the scenes. Uh, And it kind of pulls a little bit of what was happening on the show. I don't want to give anything away, but I highly recommend reading this because there, there are some secrets that pop up in this things that are, they kind of retcon a lot of stuff that Al- Oliver did, especially, you know, with the island because he was on an island. Uh, but I highly recommend reading this run, Green Arrow, uh, the Jeff Lemire run. It went about, like I said, issue 17 to 34. They're pretty cheap issues. I was looking up online. You can definitely get these uh, fairly cheap as cheap as well. And uh, Andre Sorrentino's art is just is awesome. The way when they sh- when they show you like when he shoots an arrow and they target the characters and mm-hmm. when an arrow hits somebody and you kind of see it as like an x-ray like through the person it was just so badass that i you know and i, I love the run and it's probably the, 
it's probably one of my favorite runs and back to what comic stash's question was earlier i really wanted to put that as one of my top three because it, it's probably one of the m most rereadable story arcs other than like a batman or superman in a dc world that i enjoy reading that's not like an event that's not anything like i said that's batman justice league or, or superman i think this green hour run is hands down the best green hour run you'll ever read um maybe green arrow year one that andy diggle did well and that was like a four issue mini that kind of took oliver on the island so get out there and read this if you can pick up those back issues or just go out and buy like a hardcover or the tr there's two trade paperbacks for that so that's yeah, my I like the week. I enjoyed that run too. I was reading all those new 52 stuff and I was surprised by how much I liked the Green Air. And you're right, it does very much uh like mimic and feel like the Arrow TV show as well. Mm -hmm. He's very like on his own kind of street level, not so much like the wealth really playing into it too much then. So I thought yeah. that was cool too. Great 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 uh <clears throat> excuse me. Definitely just a great run. Um, cannot cannot say anything bad about Jeff Lemire's writing and Sorrentino stuff. So that's it for uh, what are we currently reading? Um, I think that's all we got for this week. We don't really have. We actually are pushing just over an hour for episode twenty three. Thank you, everyone out there across the multiverse on all the different podcast platforms that you're listening to us uh, from. Myself, Justin, aka Nemesis Prime. It's been a fun week, Zach. It's always great talking to you. Great picks, great stories. Got a lot of stuff that we just talked about tonight. Um, that's all I have. What about you for closing thoughts? Yeah, always love being on here, and I'm excited this summer is going to be a fun summer. We got a lot of stuff coming, obviously, with Loki. We got the Black Widow stuff, more Star Wars. This year alone is going to be amazing for Marvel. I mean, all the movies that are coming out, we got, I think we've said it before. We got four movies this just before the end of this year. So I'm excited. We got a lot of good stuff coming up, a lot of comic talk, and can't wait to check you guys out next week. Awesome. Episode 23 in the books, everyone. Peace out. We'll see you next week. Later. Later.